This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 94. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Today we're talking to Mary Shores about conscious communication. Welcome to the show, Mary. Hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, my name is Mary Shores. I am the award-winning Hay House author of Conscious Communications. And today we are going to talk about how to harness the power of your words to change your mind, your choices, and your life. So stay tuned because it's going to be big fun packed with a lot of valuable information. Yeah. So to start us off, can you just um, tell us a little bit about how you became interested in this topic? It's sort of an unusual mix to be a thought leader and also own a collection agency. But maybe about 15 years ago, I wanted to take a different kind of path. And I, I really got very interested in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I wanted to reach actualization or enlightenment. But I had this sort of existential crisis on my hands because I felt like, you know, let's face it, the tax collector in the Bible was not the popular dude. And what I realized through the end of that was that when I when I brought my values and my belief systems, like what I wanted to do into my work, then I was able to not only transform myself, but transform my company too. And that mission really began to be that I wanted to make people feel good about paying their debt because the collections industry in general is pretty punitive and a lot with, uh, tied to a lot of consequences. And truly like the, the problem with that is that if someone has a debt, it becomes a psychological burden where they will, it, the burden creates a barrier between them and their dreams. And um, I just wanted to go on a mission to alleviate that. And that's exactly what I did. I like that because I've been, I haven't really talked a lot about this notion of a spiritual business, but I know that's definitely what you are, what, what you are doing now. Would you like to tell the story of the time you walked into, I think it was an elevator. And then somebody, you said you were kind of torn about the fact that you're not quite sure how you can be a spiritual person and a CEO of, of a debt collection agency at the same time you felt you might have to choose between the two. And then what happened? Yeah, so I was at, um, I believe I was at Omega Institute, and I was just having a casual conversation with a, a woman, and I believe her name was Kristen. Um, anyway, I was, I was just talking to her a little bit about it, and she was one of the sort of resident teachers there at Omega. And she looked at me and she said, Oh my gosh, she said, what you're doing is so beautiful, because what you don't realize is that partially is the same as having a karmic debt. And when you're helping release people of their debt, you're actually clearing their karma. And then she told me something that really stuck with me. She said, not only are you releasing their karma, but you're releasing your own karma at the same time. And I thought, wow. And I couldn't wait to get um, back to my office to tell my staff that we're all karmic debt collectors. 
Now, I know that some of my listeners um, appreciate the show because it, it emphasizes the science. So let me just interject a little bit. Just because the word karma is used doesn't mean it's a religious concept. It's actually, in terms of psychology, it's very straightforward. If you have debt, you worry. And if you worry, you don't feel good. Um, and vice versa, um, that triggers all the emotional, the negative emotions. Um, it becomes kind of like a... Yeah, a never-ending cycle, right? Where you kind of, you feel bad about your debt and then you you avoid looking at your money and, and it gets worse. And But on the other side, even if you don't have debt, but if somebody owes you money and you are scrambling to buy groceries, um, then that also feels bad, right? So it's even for those of you who are science-minded and think, I'm not sure about karma, um, rest assured that what she's talking about um, holds up in terms of psychology. Yeah, and I'm certainly not a religious expert and know very little about the concept of karma, but I just, this was just, you know, information that another person had passed along to me, and I, I liked it. It felt good. It resonated with me. And to, also, I want to speak to what you said about having some empathy for the creditor in a, in a debt situation, because um, debt to the creditor is also a psychological burden, because if someone owes you money and hasn't paid you and you know what that feels like, it is a very sick feeling, especially, you know, when you run into the person and, you know, it can be very awkward. So I, I just appreciate that you said that. Yeah, right. So what you, I believe during the financial crisis or a little bit before that, you noticed that people did not respond anymore to those you know, to the threats and all of that. So you, you changed, you, you asked your staff to have a different goal for their communication. So could you get a little bit more deeply into that? Yeah, that was right around um, when the, in the U.S., when the real estate bubble was getting to at its height, um, debt collection companies were really having a rough time because people no longer were required to pay their, say, you know, things that were on their credit report before they could get a mortgage. So the concept of the subprime mortgage was born, but that really had a hard impact on the collections industry, as well as all the industries that we support. Um, so what I decided to do was I wanted to change my method of collections. We'd always been more sales-based because that's just more congruent with who I am and what my background is. Um, so I, I took it a step further and I decided that the most important thing was that I wanted whoever called, I, I literally, I looked at the telephone and I said, the next person who calls is going to be happier at the end of the call than they were at the beginning of the call. And that's really how this... Um, well, we were calling it in those days words that work. That's how it was created was because we, when you, when you give your brain a command. So when I said, like literally talking to the telephone, when I said the next person who calls is going to be happier at the end of the call than they were at the beginning of the call, what I was truly doing was, was activating the command centers of my brain that were automatically searching for the answers or like what I like to call the how to's of getting that done. So it was, it was a very seamless, um, the person called and I was super nervous. I, you know, I didn't necessarily know how I was going to handle it, but with happiness as my goal and over time, I worked out an entire system that, um, now we even train, in, in healthcare situations, we train in customer service and we train in um, other 
other collection agencies even, because I truly would like to just change how collections are done. Right. This is actually really um, inspirational to me because in my other life where I work at an office, I, I have to admit that I really struggle with interruptions. I, I, I find it very hard to not feel already resentful of whoever is calling me almost no matter what, because I love being in the flow of my work. So for me, I, I definitely, that's something that I took a note of um, and I want to try out in real life. And I've thought about it sometimes and it's not that I'm horrible to everyone I'm on the phone with, but I've also noticed that I, I've not found it exactly easy. So that's something that I've actually already started to kind of try out. <laughs> well, wonderful. Yeah, I think you would, I think you would love the program. I'll have to let you know next time I do a webinar on it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So in terms of conscious communications, could you give us a little bit of an overview? So I, I like the introduction, but what's the, you said it's a whole system. Can you maybe just give a broad overview? And then I will ask you a handful of questions about a couple of concepts that stood out to me before we do the deep dive with the affirmations. There's this concept of alignment, right? And part of my research to go into this book was sometimes I didn't understand this terminology. So alignment was one of the things that I didn't understand. So the entire book is about getting yourself into alignment with the things that you want to be true in your life. And when I say alignment, I'm talking about your focus. What, you know, what are you focused on? So one of the steps is always focus on what you want instead of focusing on what you don't want. And yet we all know that, but we don't really practice it. Okay. So then we've also got to get our feelings, our thoughts, our words, our choices, and our actions in alignment with what we want, because everything we do in life, uh, every choice that we make in every moment to moment situation is actually creating our reality right before our very eyes. And the, the thing is that where I think we get into chaos is because we don't really know how to make choices that will connect us to what we want. And I like to say, I, I have like right in the middle of my book, I have this thing I call cleanser clog, which just basically means everything you say or do is either cleansing you or clogging you, meaning it's either creating a connection to the life that you want, or it's driving a disconnection. And so the book is really the how-to of getting yourself in alignment with the life you want by using the power of words. Because, you know, as we said, these, these parts of alignment are your focus, your thoughts, your feelings, your your words and your choices and your actions. But sometimes it's hard to control your thoughts because they seem to come out of nowhere. So the thing that we really can assert some control over is our words. And so that's a great entry point to begin to um, refocus our conscious mind and reprogram our subconscious mind. Okay. Um, similarly to that, you mentioned with um, with the thoughts popping in your, our heads, you mentioned at some point in the book that um, you always cringe a bit when people say that happiness is a choice. Why is that? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so thrilled that you picked up on that because your podcast is called the Positive Psychology Podcast. Um, you know, what I mean by that is, um, how can I say it? So right now, we're smack dab in the middle of a positive psychology movement. And, and people are almost want to be dismissing if they ever have a thought that is not positive. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. 
But the, the issue with that is that we will become suppressing our negative emotions. So it's it, I just want to respect the fact that negative emotions are going to happen and bad things are going to happen in your life. And I, I don't want to look at the person and blame them as if they caused the situation themselves because they somehow attracted it to them. Um, so I, uh, in the book somewhere, I wrote a process that when it's, I think it's like, how, how do you handle your darker emotions? You know, how do you work through them in a healthy way so that number one, or two, you're not ignoring the problems in your life because positive psychology is great and it works. But I think that, you know, everything in moderation and if you take that to an extreme where you're not allowing yourself to feel a negative emotion, then you're not really balanced. Yep, I I agree. And that's also the proponent. I think I probably talk more about that than the classic positive psychology concepts, which I covered earlier on, because I feel like people get a bit confused um, as to what the difference is between aiming for something, but then using that aim to start blaming either themselves or others. Uh, so I appreciate yeah. that you mentioned that. Kristen, and I want to mention to you too. So I wrote this five-step process, and I, and right now I call this process um, break from breakdown to breakthrough. And what I did was um, when you're, let's just say, you know, the, the in the times in your life when you're feeling those feelings of suffocating, full-blown depression, the kind where you just feel empty and hurting and it just doesn't go away. You know, it's, it's, you're in it and it lasts more than a few days. You know, maybe it's lasting a few weeks and you feel completely overwhelmed and stuck and you just don't know what to do, and your problems feel insurmountable, then this can actually overwhelm us to the point and that it'll cause such stress that, you know when they say fight, flight, or freeze? So this is going to trigger us to freeze, meaning that our our problems feel so overwhelming that we just freeze and we do nothing. And so I wrote a, a five-step process, and... Um, I call it from breakdown to breakthrough. And basically each one of the steps is then researched and there's neuroscience to back up why each one of these steps work to get you out of the procrastination mode and into feeling better. Because if you follow the steps, um, it will create vasopressin, dopamine, and serotonin in your brain. And it will suppress the creation of the cortisol like me to go over these five steps? Yes, let's do it. Okay. All right. You're sweet. So um, step one is you're going to create a problem list. All right. So we're right now we're speaking to those of you or at, you know, we've all been in a situation where it's just the stress has been um, sickening to us. So step one is you're going to make a list of your problems, every single problem that you have. And um, just trust me on this. I know it sounds not like an odd request. It's a simple request, but just sit down for 20 minutes and make a list of every single problem. So research, there's a research professor, uh, Matthew Lieberman. He's a professor at UCLA. He revealed that just the act of lab labeling negative emotions actually decreases the negative response. 
So what this means is that when you label your problems, you it will actually help you feel better because even just a few words about your issue down on paper will activate your prefrontal cortex to reduce the dark emotions while stimulating the problem-solving area in your brain. So you actually have a problem-solving area that helps you with these things. And then step two is um, that you have to forgive yourself. So what you need to do, and when this happened to me, which I wrote about in the book, when this happened to me, I wrote down this list of problems. And then I had 20 problems on the, on the paper. And when I looked at that list, I really felt like, you know what? I am not a crazy person. Anyone with this level of problems would feel the way I do. So, you know, I realized that um, I was overwhelmed and it was the problems and I had this epiphany, you know, that anyone would feel this way. And that in itself, just me being gentle and forgiving myself, taking time to acknowledge what I was feeling and that it was normal and it was okay. So as terrible as that list was, it helped me to understand that my feelings of depression were normal. And that in itself was a major turning point that led to some self-compassion. And so there is, um, there, what happens is the research shows here that when you show compassion to yourself, you're actually increasing your oxytocin and vasopressin, which are the love hormones. And that is actually um, just like, you know, we, when we watch a Lifetime movie or we, we're talking to a friend and they tell us a sad story, you know, you instantly feel bonded to that person. And the reason that you feel bonded is because when the, the emotion of empathy causes you to, to um, create vasopressin in your brain and vasopressin is very bonding and loving. So you can actually create this um, feelings and chemicals for yourself. Uh, step three is to separate fact from fish, fiction. So what this means is I had to go back to my list of 20 things and I had to separate the list into events that were either I had two sides of the list. Side one was things in this list that were actually events. And then the second part of the list was now things that were more emotional. So some of the things on my list were like, I was worried that I was going to like lose all my money and my employees. Okay. So that is a worry based on the actual problem. So the problem was I had had a long time employee resign and I was and the worry was I was going to lose more employees. Right. So the reality was my problem was I had to replace this employee, but the fiction was that I had all these fears and worries. So when I got done with the two lists, I had exactly 10 things that were real actual problems. And then I had another 10 that were fears or catastrophizing the despair that I was feeling. So this was a really imp important step because I like to describe this as if like being in that depression or bringing in that dark spot is like being down a dark hole. And so when you take these steps, the first thing was like, you know, you're in a dark hole, you can't see, it's dark, it's scary, you don't know what to do. So taking that first step of writing that list was like someone threw a flashlight down that hole for me. And, and even though I couldn't understand anything, at least I had a flashlight and I could now see. And then when I, when I you know, made this, separated this list into two, it was like someone had thrown down a rope ladder. So now I had a flashlight and someone had thrown down a rope ladder into this deep hole. 
Step four is to celebrate your past wins. So science suggests that when you recall a memory from a past triumph, that you your body will work to create the in your system that happened the moment that you um, had that triumph the first time. So the way that I like to illustrate this is if you've ever heard a man tell his fishing stories, have you ever noticed that every time he tells the story, it gets like bigger and more exciting? I don't know any men who fish. <laughs> I just noticed that. I live by a river, but I live in a city and nobody fishes. We just go or, for a swim. Or when a, okay, <laughs> but go on. So, I mean, it's not just me. There are thousands of people listening. So I'm sure somebody knows people who well, fish, but go on. Other, no other, other examples might be the time that they, you know, hit the home run in baseball or just, you know, people right, in right, general, right, when they right. tell stories, Every time they retell the story, it gets bigger and more exciting, you know, and now it start, it's even starts to exaggerate a little bit. Well, the reason for that is because when you celebrate a past triumph, your brain goes back to the moment when you had the triumph and it recreates all those happy, excited chemicals that were in your nervous system at that moment because your brain memorizes every happen to you. So that's why when you remember something sad, you feel sad. And when you remember something celebratory, you feel excited because you are you are reinforcing your system with dopamine, which is which is a wonderful um you know hormone that makes you feel good. And also it will give you the confidence to know so like one of the you know I remembered when I was going through this, I remembered that I had gotten back You know, I had rebounded after my divorce and I was able to beat the odds time and time again. And so when I remembered that, it gave me the confidence that I needed to move forward in this situation that I was in. And then the last step is just to create what I call a one page action plan. And a one page action plan is where it's a process that I created and I've used it for years. And what you do is you start with the end result in mind. So whatever your end result goal is. So whether it's like you have a large unexpected bill or you have a health crisis or, you know, whatever, you know, maybe you have a wedding to plan. Maybe it's something positive that you need to write a plan for, but you start with the end result and then you reverse engineer a one page action plan. So you're going to ask yourself, what are six things that need to be true in order to create this result that I'm looking for? And these are just going to be six like bullet pointed things. And then for each one of those bullet points, you're going to write down three action items that you need to take. And so after you do that, for each one of your six items, what you will have is a solid plan to help you climb out of your hole and find that confidence in yourself again. Because when you can break things down to, you know, easy, actionable steps, you're way more likely to get out of that um, process of procrastination. Yeah, that, again, makes sense in terms of, for example, hope research. So a lot of times people think hope is just leaning back and hoping for the best. But in psychology, hope has been conceptualized as, well, yeah, the hope that something, the the the, the, the wish that something will turn out well. But uh, number two, also the seeing a path to how that could actually come into being. So that all makes sense to me. Well, thank you for letting me share that quick little process, Kristen. I, I hope that um, I hope that someone will try it out. 
Absolutely. You have, um, I mean, since we're, you have workbooks on this, right? I do. Um, that actual, so that little process I just talked about is in the book, but if anyone wants to find my blog, I have an article written about it with all the steps actually that you need outlined and it's called from breakdown to breakthrough and here's how. So, uh, you can find that article right on my blog, maryshores.com. All right, cool. Good. So let's dive into the affirmations. All right. Goody. Well, what I, I am uh, the, the affirmation queen. So Louise Hay is my idol. And, you know, she was very, very well known for affirmations and teaching affirmations. And so the, the book is, has a lot of information on, on affirmations in it. So the first part when we want to talk about this is I want to talk about the five types of expression. And those are self-talk, spoken words, affirmations, goals, and gratitude. And so self-talk, this exists in our conscious mind and it passes through as instructions to the subconscious mind. So what I'm saying is the things that you talk to yourself about. So you don't say these out loud, but sometimes, you know, you might be like, yes, I'm a rock star inside your mind or be feeling yourself. And other times you might be saying in your mind, like, oh, I'm so stupid. Why did I, why did I eat that food? Or why did I allow myself to be taken advantage that way? So that is self-talk and it can be good or bad. But the important thing to understand about the self-talk is that although the thought exists in the conscious mind, it is actually passing through as instructions to your subconscious mind. So it is the more your self-talk is one way or another, meaning positive or negative, it's actually rewiring your subconscious part of your brain, your neural networks, and that's extremely important. And then spoken word is what you say um, out loud. This can be deliberate or sometimes, you know, we're not even realizing that the words we speak are can at times be very disempowering. And my thought process is whenever we're feeling disempowered, you know, we're creating, we're creating the chemicals in our body that are causing us to feel disempowered. We can use our spoken words to clean that up somewhat and make us feel in a more empowered uh, situation. The can next I, one in. Sorry. Yeah, just, go ahead. Sorry. Can I just um, ask you a question about that particular topic? Um, right now with an, a real life um, example. Is that okay? That'd be, that'd be great. All right. So um, I've been having a couple of health issues with my arm. Um, we're not quite sure. Is it tendonitis, uh, carpal tunnel, or just something else, whatever. Now I have a very visible medical tape on my arm. So obviously everybody asks me, what happened to your arm? And do you feel any pain? So for me, on the one hand, I want to be truthful, right? So I don't want to just walk around lying, saying like, no, 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 that's just for decoration. Everything is awesome. But at the same time, I don't want to disempower myself or maybe give my body the message, um, the wrong message. So what would you suggest? How would you talk about this if you were in my situation? I would... Uh... So I wrote a process called Three Steps to Writing Rocking Affirmations, and um, I would use that three-step process, which what you're going to do is you're going to mix up all the different types of affirmations. Um, I have, I've got a list that I'm going to get to called uh, negative or disempowering affirmations. Um, those are the kind that make you feel bad. So like if you were to, you know, I get the feeling you don't want people to feel sorry for you. Oh, no. There's no, I mean, yes, sometimes I'm in pain, but there's, I mean, 
there's no reason to feel sorry for me. That's kind of okay. And, okay. Um, yeah. So because of that, you're not necessarily wanting to be vulnerable in that moment and share what's really going on. So what I would do is I would say, you know, I, I'm so grateful that, you know, I'm having, I'm having an issue. It's kind of a mystery, but I'm so grateful that we live in a time that um, technology can, can allow me to have this, I don't know what you call it, but you know, technology would allow me to have this this grace that I can heal myself. Um, so you're, we were talking about affirmations. So affirmations are declarations. So you assert that what you want to be true is true. Instead of talking about like what you would say to other people right now, let's talk about your self-talk affirmations. Yes. So a good a good one would be, I am surrounded by love and healing. I am surrounded by healers who are geniuses at fixing my body up or um, what was one Louise Hay had one it was something like every hand that touches me is a healing hand so your your affirmations would be you're declaring you know you don't want to use something that says I am healed because that's not going to feel true okay so you want to go in the direction of uh, more and more, I'm feeling better and better every day. Or you want to say, like I was talking about, um, gratitude. You know, having gratitude that you're living in a time where you can get these things, you can get easy access to these things. I'm so grateful to have access to my doctors. Uh, I am surrounded by unconditional love and support. Do any of these feel good to you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I like making it a, an affirmation and an I am statement combined. Like I am getting better and better each and every day, or I definitely love um, every hand that touches me as a healing hand. So that's sort of like what your affirmations can be. And then when you're talking to other people, you could be like, yeah, you know, isn't this great? I'm, my body's healing from something like look at the miraculous pot power of the body to heal. Yeah, that's um, somebody actually asked me what does the medical tape do, and and I said um, what it does it basically creates a kind of tension which alerts the body to di divert more blood into that part of the body, so it can bring all the the immune and healing cells basically right to where they're needed. So I like this idea of basically just thinking about that more for myself and also emphasize that when people ask about it, even if they don't ask about how does it technically work. Yeah, because how much of a miracle is that, that, that we figured out a way to apply compression to the area so that you bring that, that oxygen-rich blood to, to bring to that wound to heal, heal it. That's just a miracle. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we talked about it off record um, about what happens when you feel like you're lying to yourself through affirmations. But could you um, talk about that just for our listeners as well? Sure. So I think that throughout um, the last 20, 30 years was affirmations or mantras or, you know, what incantations, whatever you want to call them, have become more and more of a way of our life that some people can be hesitant to use them because they don't like the feeling of saying that something is true that is not true. So like, for example, I had a friend and she was unemployed and she said, Mary, I don't want to use affirmations where I say I have the best job in the world 
in the mirror to myself every day because it actually makes me feel worse, not better. And what I did was I explained to her that when you it makes you feel inauthentic and you're not in congruence with your truth. And so what it does is it actually causes you <clears throat> to become uncomfortable. And when you're in that 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 place of uncomfortability, your body is going to start to create stress hormones. So, you know, some people are completely comfortable with that type of affirmations. I am not one of them. So if I were to say, oh, I have a million dollars and I don't have a million dollars, I would just feel like I was lying to myself. And so it's important that you use affirmations that make you feel good and true and authentic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have anything to add in terms of um, affirmations? Because you, you briefly went into that there are different ones. So you, you mentioned more the question um, type, the gratitude type, the I am statements. Uh, I think the, the guiding the guiding ones might be worth getting into a little bit more, specifically since some research has shown that that people who use questions as affirmations do slightly better than people who use just statements. Yeah. So the, um, in my other going through back to my five types of expression. So we left off on affirmation. The next one is goals. So there's plenty of scientific research out there that shows that the difference between people who achieve success in life and those who do not is that the high achievers regularly write down goals for themselves and follow a plan to make those happen. And then last is gratitude. So gratitude is a simple, you know, word that we have. Every language in the world has a word to say thank you. And gratitude as an attitude or mindset really implies that you have voluntarily made a choice to focus on what's good. And then um, to talk about what you're saying is these types of affirmations. So we talked about negative and disempowering affirmations. There are four other types, which are releasing statements. Releasing statements is one of my favorites. So a releasing statement is a powerful statement of what you will no longer accept as your truth. So for example, if you smoke, then your releasing statement could be, I will never smoke a cigarette again. And, you know, I'm not saying it's going to work the first time, but if you say it thousands of times, um, it will begin to reprogram your brain. And then you want to follow that up with an I am statement. I am statements are affirmations that declare the qualities, personality traits, and lifestyle choices that you want to embody. So for me, it goes, I release my fear of abandonment. I am surrounded by unconditional love and support. So, um, so for, if you're trying to quit smoking, it might be, I, re, I, I will no longer, I will never again smoke a cigarette in my life. I am making better healthy choices for myself. Uh, the next is asking statements. Asking statements are some of my very favorite because it involves asking the universe to bring you or guide you to encounters or move you towards your desires. So one of my favorites is guide me to thoughts that are in harmony with core desires or help me be in the right place at the right time. Bring me opportunities to move forward. So just asking statements, I feel like are super powerful. And I was joking with you off record that I call um, some of the people that talk about affirmations, <laughs> I will joke that they are the law of attraction language police. And these are the people that no matter what you say, they'll say you said it wrong. 
like, oh, you, you can't put a negative because the universe doesn't understand the difference. The universe doesn't understand a negative statement. It's like, what? The universe is a hell of a lot smarter than I am. It knows your intention. The important thing is the intention, not necessarily the words, okay? So um, uh, there was a joke I heard one time. It was a lady that was, like, wanting a relationship and, you know, bring me a man or what, whatever her affirmation was. And then ended up meeting a man, but he was married. And then the law of attraction language police said, well, you didn't say bring me a man that was available. Well, whatever is this power that brings us things, they know it knows her intention that she wants an available man and whatever caused her to get into this relationship with a married man probably had more to do with some other things in her subconscious, like her limiting beliefs or, you know, some other pattern of behavior that needed to be changed. It had nothing to do with her affirmations. Okay. So I just kind of like to joke about that and take a little bit of the seriousness out of it. Like you're not going to get your affirmations wrong. The important thing is the intent and that they make you feel good. And so I choose affirmations that make me feel good. Yeah, I think I think that's also an important message that we kind of learn to trust our intuition and trust those responses. And I would like to just add once again, for those of you who are like, I'm not down with this universe business, you can think about it in this way. Basically, when we ask um, even ourselves to guide me to this or help me with that, what we do is we're priming our brain similarly to the famous um, example of um, look at everything that's purple today and then suddenly things will jump out of you that you've never paid attention to in your life. So even if you don't believe in the universe doing anything for you, you can believe in the science of priming, which shows that that we are actually incredibly susceptible to all kinds of way to prime us to to focus on things. So I wanted to just throw that in for the more skeptical and, folks. And Kristen, your example of what you just said with the color purple is perfect, a perfect way to introduce like why gratitude is so powerful because, um, and I, I've said the exact same words that you do, because gratitude is like priming your brain to look for more things to be grateful for. So when you talk about the positive impact of gratitude on our life, and when I went on my gratitude practice, it wasn't because of some some like spiritual metaphysical or religious reasons. It was because I understood the power. So I have a gratitude practice and I have a gratitude club. Um, any of your listeners can join on Facebook. It's called declaring gratitude. And we just go in the group and we share three gratitudes every day with our gratitude partners. And so what happens is the act of being grateful for what you have um, and for what works and feels good in your life will signal your brain to begin to continue to identify those people, feelings, or experiences that trigger more feelings of gratitude. So it's like a snowball, you know, it just keeps getting, getting more and more and bigger and bigger. Right, right. Okay. So I found a couple of other interesting things in your book, but in the interest of time, I just wanted to ask you, is there anything you think is very important regarding the topic of uh, affirmations or anything we talked about before that we haven't really covered yet? Well, you know, I could add to this that one of the ways that um, even though I'm writing about this, you know, in the beginning, affirmations felt awkward to me. So what I did was um, I wrote one day and I did this for exactly one year 
And um, it was the year 2016. So I literally just got up every morning and I wrote one page of affirmations in my journal. And I took these different types of statements, like the releasing statements, the asking statements, the gratitude statements. And I just sort of free flew and wrote all different kinds. And the result of that is after a year, I have thousands and thousands of affirmations. And we share them all in our weekly newsletter called Fearless Ambition. Yeah, I like that, the idea that things add up and also that we have a certain a certain trust uh, that, that things, even if we don't feel the effects immediately, uh, it's kind of similar like going to the gym or working out. Like you're not going to feel anything probably for the first three times you do it. But if you do it three months later, you're pretty sure you're going to feel something. Whether it's whatever you expected or not is a different question, but you're going to feel the effects at that point. Absolutely. And in three months, you know, depending on where you're at in your physical fitness, you could have a total body transformation in three months. All right. So anything else you'd like to share? People can find you. You mentioned it once again, maryshores.com it is? Yes. And we have a, we have a free couple free offers for your listeners. May I go over those? Please do. Okay, so one thing is I, one of my superpowers is I love to write workbooks and I am a personal development junkie. So I share my personal development through small challenges. And right now we do have an offer for free for your listeners. It's a five day personal development challenge called Ignite Your Dreams. And um, I don't know if you have show notes where you can post the link, but they can also find it at maryshores.com. And then there will be a button there that says Ignite Your Dreams. Just click on that and you can download that workbook. We also have um, free coaching going on in our Facebook group that is called Fearless Ambition. So that's a wonderful Facebook group. We've got over a thousand members and the members are actually doing the workbooks. So you can share your results of the workbook or you can ask any questions. And I respond to every question that is posed in the Facebook group. And then the thing that I'm most excited about is that I am right in the middle of my book launch. So Hay House was my dream publisher. The book is up for pre-sale at amazon.com, Conscious Communications. But if you um, if you order the book right now, we're giving away th- several free bonuses, one of which is a new, another workbook that we've had over 28,000 people download. It's called Dream with a Deadline. And um, it has that one page action plan in it that we were talking about, as well as a journal that's called the Daily Desires Diary. So if you pre-order the book, you will be able to get those free bonuses. And we um, hope that you support us in our book launch period. All right. Thank you very much, Mary. Thank you, Kristen. I really enjoyed being on the show today. All right, so we have a couple of reviews. Um, the first is from Cecilia Stefaniuk. Um, Cecilia, my dear, I hope I pronounced that last name correctly, but I'm not entirely sure. So it says, Dear Kristen, thanks for this wonderful podcast. It just came to me at the right time when I was looking to make some changes in my life. After each episode, I'm left with so much positive energy. I feel excited to try new things in order to improve myself, my relationships, my view of the world, everything that surrounds me. Having 
talk to you in the what's what do I need right now coaching session, I realized how far I've come in a short span of time and how much power we have to make changes in order to live happy and lead more fulfilling lives. Thanks very much for being there. It's always great to hear from you. Hey, um, Cecilia, thank you very much. It's good to have you on the podcast, to have you in the Facebook group. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in person anytime soon. Insightful um, by, okay, this is Norwegian. <laughs> so let's give this a try. Tia Manil? No. Tia Nanil. Alrighty. Hey, faithful follower on my weekly running trips. Not only do I learn a lot of useful and interesting things, but Kristen's pleasant voice also helps me keep my mind on the positive side of the world. Highly recommended if you want to broaden your horizons and get input on how to be better, a better version of yourself. Thank you, Kristen. Sorry, my Norwegian is not very good, so I'm not going to repeat that name because I'm not sure how it's pronounced properly. But thanks a lot for letting me be your running companion. I always love it when people do something good for themselves and listen to the podcast, a double whammy. So for those of you who can't wait until Mary Shores releases her book um, on Aug in August, uh, and you are interested in the same kind of questions. How do you, how can you reframe your mind? How can you reprogram yourself for more self-love and accept, acceptance and positivity? I would really highly encourage you to get my audiobook. It's called Brainwash. And if you are a loyal listener of this podcast and do struggle with having a little bit more positivity in your life, quite frankly, I'm not entirely sure what you're waiting for or what your hesitation is. Now, if you're afraid that I will do some mind voodoo on you, all right, I just want to assure you, Brainwash is not about like CIA or hypno hypnosis or anything like that, all right? It's more like laundry all right laundry for your brain because that's what we need we have think about it in your body things go in and things need to get out for you to be healthy so if you don't have a system like that in your in your brain yeah well your brain is wired to take care of psychological hygiene to a certain degree but you can really help it along and if you haven't gotten it yet what are you waiting for i mean you you listen to me all the time you obviously think I have something valuable to say. So come on, take the next step, do a 21-day program and see what happens to you. You can get the book at gum.co slash brainwash. Gum as in chewing gum dot co not com slash brainwash. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.